what does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Script. I'm your host, Will Tuft, and today we have a familiar face joining us, somebody who's uh, joined us quite often during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic because Mark Aust and Eric's RX shop up in Horsham, Pennsylvania, actually were very influential and uh, really helping a lot of independent pharmacies find their way through the uh, COVID-19 immunization uh, fiasco is probably not not a better word for it, but um, Mark definitely put in some hours and uh, w- was instrumental in helping us kind of release some features that would help other pharmacies. So uh, welcome back and big thanks. Hope things have calmed down a little bit up there in Pennsylvania. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's a little bit of a different time, a little less craziness than it was two years ago at this time. Yeah, but um, you know, craziness is the is the only constant. So, <laughs> um, how uh, how how have things been since the pandemic? I know you guys were swamped, um, very busy uh, during that time. Have things kind of gone back to the to the new normal, which, as far as I can tell, is very similar to the old normal. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been a. Uh... I guess it's a good thing things have slowed down a little bit. You know, one, it's given us a chance to really get caught up and, um, you know, make sure that everything is in place from all the vaccines and everything that we've done. And then two, you know, take a look at our internal systems and come up with a plan to, you know, how how are we going to use, one, you know, the information that we have and the vaccines that we've given and then, you know, come up with a plan of what's next, what 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 can we do to stay ahead and, you know, really just, be able to, um, you know, survive, not, I don't want to say survive, but be, you know, proactive instead of being retroactive within the pharmacy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of pharmacies that are probably in that same mindset of COVID was crazy. There was a lot of adaptation, um, you know, switching to curbside, to drive through, to immunizations for, especially if you're a pharmacy that didn't provide vaccines to begin with. Um, and now, you know, everything's kind of settling back into uh, a bit of normalcy. So uh, that presents its own challenges for sure. Um, so let's go back in time a little bit before uh, the the time of uh, COVID. And tell me a little bit about Eric's uh, RX and how you came to be co-owner uh, in that pharmacy. Sure. Yeah. So Eric's RX shop was uh, uh, started by my business partner, Eric Abramowitz, and my dad, Richard Ost. Uh, almost 13 years ago at this point. And, you know, long story short, Eric worked at a uh, pharmacy basically across the street from where we're at. His pharmacy got bought out by a chain. And, you know, being a community pharmacy and a trusted, you know, healthcare provider in the community, he had patients. He had people that were wanted him to stay around there. Um, he reached out to my dad, who was previously, you know, helped, worked in, with pharmacies with, and they decided to open up Eric's RX shop. And about five years ago, I was working uh, uh, with my father at another store in the inner city Philadelphia. 
and I wanted to transition kind of, you know, to a little bit of a different pace into the suburbs. And I ended up moving out here with, uh, and working with Eric's and the rest is history. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that that's a, uh, that's a stark contrast from the landscape at Eric's RX to, uh, inner city Philadelphia, huh? Different, different language. I mean, in my dad's store in Kensington, it's, I would say 80, 80 to 85% Spanish, uh, different drugs. It's a Medicaid population, different, different business. I mean, it's, it's like night and day in, in pharmacy. Um, you know, but you know, the most important thing is just being able to be a resource for the community and, and being able to adapt. Very cool. Yeah. And it seems like you've done that pretty well as a, uh, 2022 NARD ownership award recipient from the NCPA, uh, event this year. That was uh, exciting to see. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a great honor, um, to, receive an award like that i mean not just from if you look at who's on the ncpa foundation i mean these are all you know i'll use a pun on words the pioneers of a pharmacy um, these are you know the people that have been around for a long time and really have made a huge difference and to be you know nominated and then you know voted to win the award really was a it was a huge honor yeah man that's uh that's the best of the best that is a, a really exciting show i always love to see uh, our independents that that we know and work with all the time recognized on stage. So congrats on that. Um, also very busy with state organizations, with uh, Bucksmont Pharmacy Association, with Philadelphia Association of Retail Druggists, and you've also served on the uh, NCPA Executive Committee. So lots going on up there, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so I'm fortunate, I guess you can call it fortunate. I am not a pharmacist. I am a, a licensed technician, um, and what that allows me to do is spend, you know, more time on business operations, but also on, you know, outside outside um, endeavors and being on a lot of committees. Um, there, there's a lot of really great organizations. I mean, I think that's one of the the biggest thing of being any pharmacy owner is you need to be involved in association, whether it's a state, a national, local, or whatever it is, um, but you know, from a business perspective, you're going to get ideas. You're going to be situated, you know, you're going to be around people that have similar problems, but also have new ideas. And then from a, you know, advocacy perspective, um, you, you, one pharmacy, and I, and I learned this really, you know, during the COVID pandemic, one pharmacy's voice doesn't matter, you know, but when you combine that to all pharmacies across the state or all pharmacies, uh, you know, in, with NCPA 18,000 plus, um, you know, it starts to make a real difference. And, you know, we have, we have a really great leadership um, within all the organizations, starting with, you know, PARD, uh, the Philadelphia Association of Retail Druggists, Rob Frankel, and Vicki Elliott at PPA. Um, they do a really good job of keeping everything in line and, you know, on the same and getting results. I mean, I think that's what any association, you know, or any businesses is being able to provide results for members. And it's a, you know, big thing. And then additionally, also, uh, I'm a luminary for PPCN, which is a Pennsylvania Pharmacist Cares Network. And we, you know, the, the, there's been a lot of really great opportunities that have come out of that. And being involved also in CPS, CPESN National, you know, has been a, it's been a great resource for me personally and for the business. Yeah, for sure, man. And and definitely, like you said, um, you know, being part of advocacy and, and being part of a group that's able to say that, 
this is a a bigger problem than one business owner squams or or one one entrepreneur struggle. This is you know a a legitimate um, you know industry wide problem. It's definitely nice to be able to uh, get that that unified voice to affect change, and especially if you can get the ear of a legislator or a senator or you know one of your representatives to come down and really have a better understanding, which um, is something that you've also been able to do in the past year is to have a couple of visits from, uh, who is it, Senator Bob Cassie and uh, Madeline Dean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we, uh, you know, through Works and Association and just through a lot of, um, you know, determination on my, on my end, we were able to have Senator Bob Casey come in um, and he came in for a visit and then we actually did an event with him right afterwards with the state senator. We were able to have Representative Madeline Dean come in. Um, we had our now governor, and this is when he was running for governor, Governor Josh Shapiro came in. And this was a really cool event that, you know, that PARD orchestrated where he was able to come in and sit with, you know, around, we called it a round table discussion and sit with 20 pharmacy owners. And it was, it wasn't him talking about us, about pol- politics or anything. It was him listening for, you know, a good 45 minutes of here's our issues. Uh, you know, here's what we would not what we would like, but just having his ear. And, you know, at the end, he kind of he really, uh, you know, he spoke up and he said, listen, you know, I get it. I fill my scripts in independent pharmacy. I see the issues. I've taken on the big fights. And, uh, you know, now that he's the governor, we, you know, we've had a lot more inroads and access than we've had previous, but it was cool to have them there. Uh, we've had our county commissioners, we've had our, uh, we've, you know, really made it a lot uh, important to make a really great relationship with our state senators and our state legislators. And not just for the advocacy aspect, but also because we we were able to help them, we we're able to be a resource for them. So when they mm-hmm. have, you know, during COVID, when they had constituents that weren't able to get vaccines because we were homebound, they reached out to us when, you know, they do these health fairs and they want flu shots. They're now reaching out to us and being able to help, uh, you know, helping us uh, in some ways. And also we're helping them in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know when. I mean, I, I guess if you are a senator or, or if you're a representative, you probably have so many different industries uh, pulling for your attention to understand their industry specifically. Uh, and and I guess you never know, you know, when that's really going to be impactful. When they're going to have an opportunity to speak up and say, "This is something that I know about." But it is interesting to, you know, see those opportunities that uh, independent pharmacies have to make those impacts. Yep. No, absolutely. And 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 that's really for us. It's you know, it's about the patient story. It's about their constituents. It's not we're we're we don't meet with legislators or go to legislators and say, "Hey, you know." you should pay the pharmacy more. It's sure, we would love for you to pay the pharmacy more, but if we're excluded from networks or we're not able to serve these patients, we can't make a difference in that sense. So, you know, just about level in the playing field and being able to continue to operate and to serve. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Eric's RX. Um, kind of an interesting uh, ownership there. We don't see a lot of pharmacies um, that are kind of, you know, uh, in a partner situation. But I think pharmacists have to wear so many hats. Pharmacy owners have to wear so many hats. Uh, it really makes sense to have that uh, that kind of working relationship if you're able to, you know, kind of 
make that work. So tell me a little bit about how you found that advantageous uh, versus being in a sole proprietorship. Sure. So, you know, Eric and I, I mean, I've, I've known Eric my whole life. Um, you know, so, that helps. <laughs> uh, so that definitely helps. But I think that we we build off each other's strengths. So, you know, Eric is Eric is someone that's trusted in the community. Um, he's someone that will go above and beyond for patient. If patient needs an antibiotic at nine o'clock at night, he'll stop what he's doing at home to go deliver that. Um, he's able to, you know, to be at the pharmacy and he, he loves to work. Um, but he, you know, he really is that community pharmacist. And Eric will be the first one to tell you when it comes to business, he knows it, but it's not his, it's not his strong suit. So, you know, that's where I'm able to come in and be able to provide basically, you know, efforts on the business operation side of new programs and new impl implementation um, technology. Eric would still be using a typewriter if he had his choice. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we've taken really seriously, and especially since I've been here, and I think that Pioneer has been a huge asset for this, is being able to make things more efficient and using technology, whether it's within Pioneer or outside solutions of, you know, making a task that could have taken a few hours into a few minutes. And I think that, you know, the more efficient we make, the more time we have to, uh, you know, to do whether it's clinical services or, you know, other things. Um, and also, you know, using it to make to for patient safety as well and being able to give our patients the tools that they need to know that they're getting their medication safely. They know that when they're getting the medication and having access, you know, to know uh, when something's due or, you know, anything in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's there. There's kind of an interesting um, shift where, you know, if you're a young pharmacist and you want to open a pharmacy or if you're a young you know, person who is passionate about pharmacy and you would like to open a pharmacy, um, you almost have to be the pharmacist first because when you're opening a new pharmacy, you know, that's going to be one of your major expenses to have that uh, payroll. But like most of the pharmacists that I talk to who are leaders and really, really engaged in the industry and engaged, engaged in, you know, doing exciting things outside of the bench, don't get to practice on the bench uh, all that often. It almost makes more sense to have that business person who can fill, you know, some technician roles uh, and be active on the pharmacy side. But, um, but you're right, it, 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 there's definitely a separate set of skills that it almost makes sense to have, you know, a separate uh separate person concentrating on for, for a lot of cases. Yeah. And I mean, exactly what you just said. And, and that's the reason why we've worked well together. I mean, first, you know, we, we have a great staff. Um, I think that's really the backbone, but also, you know, from my standpoint of, I talk to a lot of pharmacy owners that want to do kind of the get rich quick thing of, Hey, what can I do to do this? Well, if you don't have that backbone, of pharmacy information, whether it's workflow or, you know, whether it's a simple thing of what is a UNC, you know, there's a lot of new pharmacy owners or that don't know what that is, don't know what retroactive fees are, don't know, you know, and you can't really build off of that until you have that backbone and foundation. You know, that's one of the things that I learned early on just in my start in pharmacy was, you know, learning the nitty gritty, learning all of those, you know, intricacies that you need to know that you can build off of, um, you know, and if you don't know that, it's very hard to 
do other things correctly. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think that's really, really important to have that, that backbone and foundation. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the pharmacy prior to COVID-19 uh, and what you guys really were concentrating on and um, what kept you busy and what kept you excited prior to the uh, uh, immunizations. Yeah. So when the pharmacy was built, um, we actually had a counseling room built that was for vac- vaccination. So this was before we were busy with vaccines that we actually had a private room for vaccinations, which was, you know, which was a, a nice asset to have. Um, but it's it was a regular community pharmacy, 1,800 square feet. Uh, we did a lot of long-term care, which probably about four years ago, we signed up with Jerry Med and were able to take a lot of the patients that we're already doing long-term care services for and not pay DIR fees on it because we could be a combo pharmacy. And, you know, nice. Jerry Med's another organization that's been, you know, really, really useful and helpful getting us set up and being able to being able to do that. Um, but, you know, we, we already were doing compliance packaging. We were already doing adherence calls. Uh, we were doing offering delivery. So we were offering a lot of these services that now, you know, there's potential opportunities to get paid for those services. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, like I said, I think it, we were, we were part of the community. I think that's the best, best way to describe it. And then COVID sure. just elevated that. Yeah. So when uh, COVID-19 came around and I know everybody's probably sick of talking about COVID, uh, you're, you probably are sick of thinking about it, but um, definitely uh, want to touch on that a little bit because it is a neat story. Uh, you guys were one of the first pharmacies, if not the first in your area to uh, start administering, right? Yep. Yeah. So we uh, we were definitely one of the first ones to to get the COVID vaccines, and we actually have a pretty unique situation. So there were in our shopping center, there was an eye doctor that uh, his office has been vacant probably for I don't know nine months before the vaccines came out. We approached our landlord and said, Hey, you know, we may have an opportunity to get vaccines. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to be busy. We don't know if we're going to be slow. We don't know, you know, but we could certainly use the additional space. So our landlords were nice enough to allow us to use the space for you know a few months, and that really gave us an opportunity to to do vaccines one, you know, in bulk, um, mm-hmm. having a space with three private rooms, two to you know have additional staff that can handle it. So you know our pharmacy, like I said, our pharmacy staff has been there for a long time, and they've done a great job. And we couldn't have done all the vaccines if that wasn't in place first. Um, Addition, then we added staff to our vaccine clinic and it's now, you know, two and a half years later, and we still have that space in the vaccine clinic uh, that's separate. And we're still able to, you know, it's not as busy as it was, like I said, two years ago, but we're still doing a lot of uh, different types of services. And, you know, really for our, the COVID vaccine, it just became, what can we, how can we help the community? So initially it was just doing as many vaccines as we could within our clinic and, um, that turned from, you know, 40 or 50 day to start to 80 to hundred day to eventually we were doing almost 250 to 300 a day, you know, out at our pharmacy in our clinic. And, you know, again, that increase of efficiency was a huge part of pioneer of being able to, um, bill report schedule a vaccine within, you know, a condensed timeframe. And yeah. if two to three minutes to do it previously, you know, I think with all the improvements, we were down to, you know, 15 to 30 seconds per patient, 
which which was huge because that allowed us to increase our capacity. Yeah, that was I remember that being such an exciting time for me because um you know, I do the new feature show on Mondays where I go through all of the weekly new features for our software. And uh, I remember being part of that excitement whenever I saw one of those features coming. I'm like, oh, dude, I got to send this over to Mark. He's going to love this. This is going to be really helpful. In fact, uh, since you won last week uh, <laughs> where we had another update um, to the patient bulk process. But uh, it was an exciting time, uh, definitely a hectic time. Yeah, no, we had, I mean, we called it the 3 a.m. 3 a.m. group. I mean, myself, Josh Hallen organized this, and we had, you know, Radin from Tarrytown and Scott Pace in Arkansas. Yeah. And it was for a good month straight emails at 2, 3 a.m. because we were up, whether it was processing vaccines or reporting or reporting to this, you know, inventory to the state and to say, hey, this can help. So, I mean, it sounds simple enough, but things like, you know, mass completion from the RX search, bulk import, um, templates. Templates were a huge time saver. I mean, what also it allowed us to do was take the, the billing aspect from a vaccine out of, a, you know, a really, really good tech and be able to, I don't want to say train anybody, but be able to give a standardization that we could have an employee come in and within a couple of days, they now know how to bill, you know, bill and type of vaccine and have a quality control behind it. And, you know, what you just said, the bulk, the bulk import from with template. I mean, that's also a huge step, too, that we'll be able to apply a template to a bulk import file and be able to process it in that sense. So, um, you know, there's a lot of great improvements that really definitely, you know, that we couldn't have done what we that, that we did without without those improvements. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. It definitely uh, like it, it's uh, kind of weird to look back at such a, you know, troublesome time, like fondly, but there there was definitely that excitement and you know just being able to help uh independent pharmacies do something so important and what i i feel like most people are never going to realize is the risk that independent pharmacies were taking at that time not only the uh you know just personal fears of covid and catching covid and being exposed and things like that but also um you know, the, the, the process for being reimbursed, um, you know, all of that was still up in the air. A lot of pharmacies didn't know if this was going to, um, you know, be something that even was profitable, but it was just important to do. Uh, did you have to have the, the, the cold storage immediately as well? Yeah. So we, so our first thing, and, and, you know, one of the reasons why, we were able to get the vaccine in early is because we started the process early. So, you know, it was probably eight months before the vaccines were ever released. We decided, we looked at the Pfizer and Moderna products and we read, and we bought a, fri a freezer that would at least hold the Moderna at negative um, 20. And we submitted all that to the state. We started, you know, our HL7 integration. We did our contracts and anything that we could to do the state. Um, so initially our first orders were for Moderna only. Um, and we got a call from the state probably about three weeks in saying, we're having a shortage of Moderna. We're going to send you Pfizer. I'm like, okay, great. We're going to figure out a way to get a freezer. And through, um, through a local company that's actually in Horsham, they were able to supply us with a ultra cold freezer that um, we're able to store the Pfizer product. And I can tell you that freezer was invaluable for us because not only do we store our product, we store 
products for other pharmacies and other facilities and being able to store that many doses and offer it really set us apart from a lot of other pharmacies or you know entities that couldn't couldn't have that storage um so it's it's great to have now especially i mean i can tell you we have ultra cold freezers we have regular freezers we have fridges we have portable freezers portable fridges um you know we have a lot of different storage capacity devices but it, it's a great tool to have because we use them you know when we're going to continue to use them yeah so once you once you kind of made it through the initial phases of um you know the uh crazy admin of all of that data entry for thousands of immunizations uh at one point you had to circle back and actually get paid for all of those and the reimbursement process was an entire entirely separate ordeal that you know i feel like some pharmacies probably um maybe weren't as uh dedicated or or didn't follow through uh all of those steps to maximize but you guys definitely not only did that yourself but even did webinars and and assisted other pharmacies and and getting that reimbursement from uh, you know once they updated those cms guidelines yeah and that was you know our our again eric and i met um before we ever got a vaccine and said if we're going to do it we're going to do it right so one it has to be safe and you know and it has um and two we need to make sure that we're you know not overbilling that we're not underbilling that we're submitting it we're within compliance of the time frames and that we're doing it so you know our process really was three separate systems almost you had the the, the scheduling then you had pioneer which was what we were submitting the data submitting trying to submit for reimbursement and then you had the um system tests which we had to use a separate system until we had the HL7 integration, which happened about a month in. Um, but that really came to the advocacy piece of it, of reaching out to our state senators, reaching out to our associations and saying, hey, listen, we're giving these vaccines. We need to be able to get paid for these vaccines. You know, we, we it's CMS has guidelines. They have it. We're following these guidelines. These insurers are, aren't always doing it. And, you know, through pressure, whether it's from government or the Department of Health, or through the associations, um, you know, for the most part, it's was able to get resolved. It's not perfect. I mean, there's, there's, we're, you know, dealing with PBMs. It's never perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. But we were able to get a lot of those issues resolved, and um, you know, and for the most part, coverage. I mean, that and that's something that you know our staff has really spent a lot of time on, is figuring out ways to get paid for the services that were provided. Um, you know, whether that's through an intermediary or through the medical benefit, um, you know, but our, our goal always was be able to provide the service, but also not charge, not be able to not have to charge a patient for that service. And, you know, our team has done a really great job on that. Nice. So, um, kind of best case scenario, you guys were able to figure everything out. We're able to administer thousands of COVID-19 vaccinations and, uh, had a landlord that was able to accommodate some additional space. And on Google maps, you will notice, uh, that there is no longer an optometry sign on the wall. There is a permanent immunization clinic sign, uh, uh, on on the wall. So tell me a little bit about what that looks like in a post-COVID world to have a dedicated space for immunizations. Yeah, so we uh, the sign now says vaccine shop, S-H-O-P-P-E. Um, and 
you know, a couple a couple things have changed. So we were, um, you know, when the pediatric vaccine came out, we were one of the only ones that were offering it. And we, you know, for probably six weeks straight, we went around schools and did a bunch of different clinics, but we also offered it within our within our vaccine shop. And one of the things that we did that we came up with, the idea was to make it an experience for kids. So we allow kids to draw on the walls, to write, you know, inspirational messages. Now, if you walk into our, you know, our clinic, it looks like it's graffiti and every, <laughs> there's very hard to find a clean spot to draw on. But kids, you know, it, kids enjoyed it. Uh, they wrote a lot of inspirational messages. We had stuff like it doesn't hurt or, you know, no, no more COVID or, you know, whatever it was. And it was a really cool thing. And, you know, the one neat thing, too, was that when boosters were announced, we had kids that came back six, eight months, a year later and were looking for the original message. And we're happy to go back and see that it was still there. So that's um, cool. You know, it became a really cool experience in that sense. And you know, right now, I mean, I can tell you, today's a Tuesday. We also became a uh, preceptor for nursing students. So currently, and this was, um, you know, a huge advantage, a huge, you know, asset to us during COVID was we had nursing students who were eager to get vaccines. Um, mm. You know, they were there. There was. There was a issue with them. They were having f- trouble finding ra- basically rotation sites. And we actually vaccinated one of the deans of the local nursing school, um, children. And she reached out to us and said, hey, I have pediatric rotations. They want to get vaccines. Can we help you? We said, sure. So yeah, absolutely. Today, <laughs> yeah. And today, today we have eight nursing students. Now, while they're not busy giving vaccines, you know, they were they're doing different research projects. But yeah, I mean, having those nursing students allowed us to do clinics where we were able to do, you know, 1,500, 2,000 shots in four hours and, you know, have 40 vaccinators and, um, you know, teach. And while we were helping them, they were also teaching our pharmacists and our staff stuff that, you know, that they do in nursing that we necessarily weren't always aware of. So it was really a, uh, you know, a great two-way relationship that we were able to help them and give them uh, the experience they needed it, and they were able to help us with different projects as well. Nice. So, what does that look like on a, on a daily basis in workflow? I, um, do you guys have an integration with STC or SMP that that provides opportunities, or are you relying on patient information coming from conversations with the patient? How do you keep the um, uh, the the arms in the seats? Yeah. So. We do have an integration with STC. Um, we have the HL7, the bi-directional in Pennsylvania that allows us to submit data upon completion in Pioneer with the script to the registry. And then we also can query the registry from within Pioneer, uh, which is, you know, it, it's great. I mean, unfortunately, in Pennsylvania, it's not a requirement for all providers to report vaccines. So mm-hmm. our state registry isn't always 100% accurate or has all the data. Um, but you know, to be able to use that and to be able to to do that has been uh, you know a, a really really good factor. I mean, we're we're starting we're not starting. We've been doing Shingrix for a while, but Shingrix has really picked up. A lot of the pneumonia vaccines has really picked up, and being able to um, you know to query the the registry and check that information allows us to determine what vaccine you know a, a patient needs. Um, you know, our workflow. So one one big thing we did, and this is during the busy times of COVID was we completely segregated our vaccine clinic from our pharmacy. So, you know, at the height of COVID when we had, I remember seeing a phone bill, I think we had like 120,000 phone minutes one. <laughs> and, you know, 
but people still need their medicine. So I couldn't, yeah. we couldn't boggle our pharmacy staff down with answering questions about, hey, you know, what time is this appointment or in that sense. So we completely segregated it, um, you know, in some ways mm. kept our pharmacy in the dark. So all they had to do was hold on, I'm going to transfer to the vaccine clinic. So that pharmacy could still operate and still provide that same level of service. And then our vaccine staff was trained with all the different systems and vaccines and um, being able to do that. And now it's, you know, it's still intact that our vaccine staff, they help with, you know, they, they're the vaccine experts. They're the ones that know the coverage. They're the ones that know our vaccinated schedules and, and all that and, you know, anything in that sense. So um, I think having that segregation, but also having the technology to be able to do that, yeah, you know, 20 years ago, I don't know if we could program the IVR, you know, auto attendant to be able to have all those different extensions and do that. You know, with us, it took us, yeah. because we had that background, it took us five minutes to just go into the system and be able to, to you know, change that. And then eventually we switched to MedTel. Um, it was even easier and, and more reliable. So it's been a, you know, a great, a great asset to use for using that technology. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So to follow up on that, if you're not familiar um, with Pioneer RX, you can actually have the MedTel uh, kind of linked to a workstation. So you can link the phone to the workstation, kind of communicate within the software. So it's pretty cool. Um, also on the uh, on the vaccine tooltip, did you see we had a new feature with that this week where uh, in the alerts area, if you hold the mouse over the vaccine alert, instead of giving you an alert that the patient needs review, it'll actually list out the vaccinations that are due. What are you, uh, what, what are you going to be concentrating on in 2023 in your vaccination area? Are you looking mainly at flu? Are you doing travel vaccines? Are you doing some of the more preventative um, vaccinations that are available? So, uh, you know, what, what's your lineup? And then are you looking at any um, point of care testing in that space? Yep. So um, to address the first thing, the vaccines, we're certainly, you know, people, are, there's not as many vaccines being administered now as there was, you know, two years ago or even a year ago. Um, but we're expanding our offerings and same thing. We're having our nursing students look at travel vaccines, looking at how, what we need to do in order to get yellow fever, um, mm -hmm. looking where people are going, what vaccines are needed, what's covered, what's not covered, and coming up with protocols in that sense. Um, we're still here. We're still offering you know, our flu, COVID, shingles, pneumonia, Tdap vaccines. And I think that, you know, the most important aspect is we make it easy. So, you know, you don't, you don't need an appointment. Sure, an appointment makes it easier, but you can walk in and we'll get, you know, we'll get you a vaccine. Um, you know, we have pre-canned reports in Pioneer. So if someone comes in for a Pfizer booster, you go into the patient profile, we print out the Pfizer booster form, it's printed out, you know, you draw the vaccine, you give it to them. And it's, you know, really quick, quick and efficient process. Um, we're also using a lot of the data that we had from all the vaccines that we've given, you know, to find different opportunities. I mean, COVID tests right now, over-the-counter COVID tests, being able to supply those to Medicare patients and to some commercial plans, um, you know, has really been a, you know, a, a great thing and take advantage of that before May 11th, before the public health emergency ends. And we, we do offer uh, point of care testing we have a Cepheid machine, which is a PCR level machine that can do the um, flu, COVID, RSV in one swab. And there's different types of tests, other tests that we can do in that machine. Uh, we used it. That was you know, a great thing to have during COVID. It's obviously not as busy now, but now we're trying to figure out how we can partner with different physician groups or you know, different entities to, to be able to 
you know, utilize the machine. And then also, you know, while people will pay for it, uh, we people also want to use their insurance too. So we're trying to figure out ways that we can kind of integrate with the insurance companies to, you know, we don't have provider status in Pennsylvania, um, but we do have, you know, connections that we're now trying to to work through to see what we can do to get a network to be able to bill patients insurance for point of care tests. Nice. Yeah, I, w- I was about to ask. I saw on your website where you had the form, uh, you had like a guide built out uh, to manually submit for like reimbursement for out-of-pocket expenses. I, I thought that was pretty neat just to standardize that and make it nice and simple for your patients. Yep. And that's, and that's what it's really about for us. It's providing a resource and you know, we, we get a lot of different calls and opportunities. And the, the thing that I always tell people is if we can't do it, you know, we're very well connected within our area of probably text pharmacy owners more than, than I text anybody else at this point. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll find someone else who can, and, you know, we'll connect you with, you know, someone that's able to help. Yeah. So how does that work with uh, point of care testing in Pennsylvania? If you don't have provider status, do you guys have collaborative practice agreements or are you able to benefit from having some of those nursing students uh, in your in your facility? Is there any kind of crossover that, like in that regard? Yes and no. So, you know, we're allowed to do a collaborative practice agreement. Uh, we can't initiate therapy in Pennsylvania. So even yeah. if you, you know, it's kind of still a little bit of a gray area. Um, it's something also that we're looking on too to add additional revenue opportunities of being in more CPAs and doing in that sense. Um, it's, you know, it's limited. We're not a, Pennsylvania is not a very progressive pharmacy state, um, you know, from the board of pharmacy to the PBM legislation to anything in that sense, we're still probably behind the eight ball in that sense. Um, but I think, you know, what we have is we have a really strong, you know, clinically clinically integrated network of PPCN that that was done an amazing job on the, the west side of the Pennsylvania, um, you know, the Pittsburgh side, and you know, it's really starting to build up the network on the you know the southeast region, Philadelphia. And once you know, I think that network is has the resources and has the membership that we'll be able to have a lot more payer programs that will allow us to do you know different different clinical tools that you know that we need to be able to help our patients and also get paid for the services. Yeah. I, I feel like that's something that, um, if nothing else, COVID taught us was, was kind of that that value and, and how important it is to have those pharmacists uh, in, in those communities that can contribute in so many great ways. And, and they illustrated that during COVID. And it's it's like, man, let's um, let, let's kind of open the gate a little bit for some of these other problems that we struggle with every year. The flu season is uh, it's a no brainer for you know, test and treat uh, at the pharmacy level. Yep, I agree. I agree. So, uh, what are you excited about in 2023? Now, moving forward. So, one is Pioneer Connect. Yeah, it's going to be a great, great event. I've got a a great speaker coming to uh, talk about immunizations and reports. Yep, and uh, you know, and I think uh, I'm actually going to NCPA. MLC tomorrow, um, giving a presentation there too. But, you know, I'm excited about just learning and networking. I mean, we, you know, we have a, a great group here that I'm very close with, with, with Mac from Springfield and Chi-Chi, or Mac from Skipback and Chi-Chi from Springfield. Uh, but also, you know, just going around the, the 
to these conferences and learning what others are doing, learning what's going on in their states. I mean, I can tell you one of the biggest things that we hear from, especially from legislators, is, well, how is this working in other states? And, yeah. you know, if you have if you have proof in the pudding of this works in this states or this works in this sense, that it's a lot easier than trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of great opportunities to, you know, uh, to attend these conferences and to network, to learn and, you know, to really just have some quality time with some other, you know, really good pharmacy owners and learn what they're doing and, and brings, bring back, you know, a few ideas to the pharmacy as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, what do you think the shows are going to look like this year? And I think last year we had a bit of revenge travel where everyone just went wherever just because they could go somewhere. <laughs> uh, so do you, do you think everyone is still just ready to travel or do you think it's going to be more um, uh, just normal trade show? Well, I think it depends on, I think it depends on the event. I mean, I think there's, you know, look, certain wholesale events, there's, you're incentivized to go. So, you know, it kind yeah. of makes sense to go. And I think events like Pioneer, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, for us, it's not necessarily always just about me going and attending. It's about the staff as well. It's about who can I send from our staff that can learn how to do MedSync better, who can learn how to, you know, do something better because, you know, it doesn't always need to be the owner teaching the staff. Uh, you know, our staff has really done a great job of, going above and beyond to learn new things and, you know, and speak with us and implement it. So I think that you're going to start to see, and we've already started to see it, you know, even in um, you know, Pennsylvania and, you know, where it's on a lot of our calls with NCPA of how can we get technicians more involved? So how can yeah. we get support staff more involved? How can we um, do this? Because look, a pharmacist is obviously more expensive per hour than technician, um, and we have to maximize their time. We have to really find tools to, you know, to utilize them into the best, to utilize them at the top of their license and maximize what they're able to do. And a lot of that can be accomplished by using your support staff and using technicians to, you know, to accomplish those goals. Yeah. The, the term technician is probably in the pharmacy world, one of the broadest range job scopes I've ever seen, you know, uh, really depends on the pharmacy, but I mean, the, the responsibilities of that title can vary so wildly, um, you know, and, and the, uh, the, the abilities and, and the, uh, the ability to practice at the top of that license, uh, absolutely can probably be, uh, a little bit more beneficial to, uh, to the patients. Sure. Absolutely. So um, you have the, the designated space for immunizations, and you think that's going to be a long-term change that you guys are going to continue to focus on, or do you think that's going to evolve or go away? I think that we have it now. We want to keep it. We want to find – and that's really been yeah. um, you know, our mindset of figuring out ways that we can keep the space and you know, figure out revenue opportunities. I mean, yesterday uh, we had a meeting with – a company to offer IV hydration. And, you know, we have the space, we have recliners. Um, we looked at doing ourselves and then we kind of figured out that it was probably easier to outsource that to an already established company. Um, so, you know, and it's, I mean, you know, the low hanging fruit for them is the hangover crowd. It's more about wellness. It's more about, you know, this person has a vitamin depletion or um, this person, you know, is dehydrated and, you know, so in, the, in a few weeks, we're actually offering a, um, 
you know, eye dehydration for all of our staff so they can see the benefits of it. Because, you know, my mindset is it's always harder to sell something if you don't know from personally. And it's not necessarily selling it, but if our staff can see the benefits of it, if our staff could do it and whether they feel better or not feel better, um, but be able to provide an accurate assessment because that's what we want to be able to do. So, you know, we're, we're looking into that. Um, we're looking to PGX testing, the pharmacogenetics mm-hmm. of being able to do that. We're already involved in uh, clinical trials of sending de-identified data to a company who then sends us back uh, a list of our patients who are eligible for clinical trials. And, you know, we have staff trained to make calls on behalf of, on behalf of the pharmacy and the company to get them registered for clinical trials. And, you know, just doing a lot of, uh, you know, data mining to see what works, what doesn't work. And uh, MedSync has definitely been a, you know, a thing that we're, we've, we've been doing for MedSync for a long time because we do a lot of compliance packaging, uh, but now really enhancing that percentage of Pioneer of getting, you know, a lot of it just our regular commercial things on MedSync and finding the benefits, benefits of that. Um, and this is all stuff that our pharmacy, our pharmacy and even our, you know, vaccine center employees are all involved with and able to, you know, collaborate and work together to help with. Nice, man. Nice. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities there. It is neat to hear, um, you know, those, those new ideas and new opportunities. I love the idea of instead of a, uh, a tanning salon, seeing more of the, you know, hydration salons. Yeah, no. And that's, <laughs> and the, there's, there's a, I, I think there's a, I think there's a void in the suburbs of that. I don't think people are aware of the benefits of it. Um, and, um, you know, I think that that could be, you know, it's a great opportunity. It's, it's, you know, again, a pharmacy, we want to provide that kind of that wellness center. We want to be able to provide solutions to patients. And I think this is a great solution that will help patients feel better. Nice. So, um, almost out of time here, but I do want to touch as we're, you know, creeping into 2023, 2024 is definitely going to have uh, a rough first couple of months, first quarter with the uh, changes in DIR fees. Um, what are you What are you doing this year to kind of plan for that and to start to have an idea what to expect and not be caught off guard in the first quarter of 2024? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the most important aspect is information and correct information. So, you know, call Ben Jolly, get your DIR fees <laughs> programmed in, in Pioneer, because if you know what you're getting charged, then you can put that money aside. Yes, sure, there might be cash flow issues, but if you don't, if you're just hit with a, you know, $50,000 DIR fee bill and you're unaware of it, you can't, you can't plan or react to it. So I think having those DIR fees in Pioneer gives us a really, really good assessment of, you know, what we're in for. And then two, just, setting that money aside, you know, instead of, you know, buying something additional or, or whatever it is, putting that money aside in a different account, that's going to be our DIR fee account. So come 2024, we have that money set aside so we won't have any really cash flow issues. But I, I mean, I think the most important thing is getting your DIR fees programmed in and making sure all of your other information is correct. Your acquisition cost is correct. You know, that you're submitting the correct UNC, that you're submitting you know, that you're reconciling claims, that you're making sure you're getting paid for claims. I mean, I think I, I think there's so many missed opportunities from pharmacies, whether it's from the medical side or even just from, a, you know, not doing a reconciliation side that, um, you know, if, if we're able to take advantage of and increase the efficiency of that, 
that you'll see a lot more cash flow than you would if that if that's not taken care of. That is such a good point. Um, you know, kind of in this in this uh, kind of valley here between COVID and and the DIR apocalypse, when things are returning to normal, do some housekeeping while you have the uh, that that planning. You know, while while you have that foresight. Um, because there's so many little things like that. If somebody has, you know, added an override or if you're not, you know, submitting the correct NDC or if you, you haven't optimized your at least, you know, your top 200 drugs and then your 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 high cost outliers, uh, you know, that's one thing you can definitely do when you can't can't do much about your reimbursements. You can definitely maximize your purchases. Yeah. And even just I mean, we're 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 figuring this out now. Look, you can if you can decrease your inventory by fifty thousand dollars, but still be just as efficient. Then you know that fifty thousand dollars doesn't need to sit on your shelf. You know, so I think that there's a lot of efficiencies and a lot of tools within Pioneer that will allow you to do that. And there's a lot of really you know great health files as well that you, you know can be a resource for your staff. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to let you get back to it. We're coming up on time. Uh, looking forward to seeing you at Connect. Uh, Mark is going to be presenting two classes, so make sure you're planning on being at Connect uh, 2023 in Nashville, Tennessee this summer. Shameless plug, but that's okay. <laughs> Always good to talk with you, man. Um, again, really, really nice to talk with you, not totally about uh, uh, COVID-19 woes. So <laughs> uh, excited to see you this summer and in, in, in a little bit different atmosphere. All right. Thanks, Will. I appreciate everything you do for, for Pioneer and for pharmacies. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform. 